And good afternoon, and welcome to the Women's Show. I'm Deb Anderson here with you until, well, I guess 2 o'clock this afternoon with the finest in music performed by women. And, well, I am excited to play one of my absolutely favorite singer-songwriters, probably ever, maybe, pretty close, right in my top five, uh, Susan Werner. Um, and we've been playing brand new EP from Susan, um, came out in January called The Birds of Florida, which we ended the whole set with The Birds of Florida. Started off with Florida, la la la, and then in between was an uh, album came out about 2020, I think, called uh, Flyover Country, an homage to Iowa, which is uh, Susan's home state, and it's called In Lieu of Flowers, which I think is absolutely a beautiful song, uh, and that's the thing about Susan. You can be hilarious one minute, and then you just absolutely deal with the most touchiest subjects in the most profound way, and Susan, I am very excited to have you here on the Women's Show. Deb, thanks. How are things in the happiest city in the United States today? <laughs> are we the happiest city in the U.S.? So oh, maybe that's. I keep, you know, I keep, I keep seeing that. I think they're always in the top two. So I don't know if the other one, Boulder, Colorado. I can't remember. But Lincoln always does rank right up there. Well, we're very happy because we've got KZUM. We've got great, uh, wonderful community here, and we have Susan Werner stopping by every once in a while to uh, lighten our spirits and, and uh, perform over at the Lead Center and all the other places that you've performed here in the last few years. And um, when I say you're one of my favorite singer-songwriters, I'm not kidding. I mean, sometimes I can go crazy, say, oh, I love your stuff, but truly, I've been following you since 1993 which is wow. a few wow. years ago when you wow. came out with uh, your very early recordings. And you um, you can do just about everything. Um, you're a singer-songwriter, an incredible singer-songwriter. People, um, New Yorkers, as uh, you put uh, literacy and wit back into popular song, which I think she they nailed it pretty much with what you do with your music. Um, you, no Depression compares you to Jimmy Webb and Paul Simon, as far as your how great your lyrics are and how great your songwriting is, and um, it's true. I mean, you're a pianist. You were on Marion McPartland's uh, radio show for uh, amazing uh, because you're such. I a was, yeah. That was really, really great. So, Marion McPartland had this long-running show on NPR, uh, piano jazz, and mm -hmm. the my uh, my my piano teacher in my hometown of Manchester, Iowa. Uh, when I was in high school, she would make cassettes for me of Marion McPartland's shows. Wow. She had a reel-to-reel -reel recorder, and she made cassettes for me of Marion McPartland's show. And she would, um, when we would do our lessons, and she was totally cool if I would, like, start a Mozart piece. And I was too, I, I had ADHD, I think. And I just would uh -huh. start the Mozart piece, and then I'm like, I just wandered off. I'm like, okay, now, you know. <laughs> start with it and then I didn't want to read the notes because I didn't want to slow down so I just make something up <laughs> and she never stopped me she would smile and she'd say then what happens oh, you know man. she was really really great she was not one of those piano teachers who shuts down uh -huh. um, you know any variation from the page she was she got it somehow that you know there was something unusual going on something different going on with my relationship with music and she sent me home with those Marion McPartland cassettes 
And then I was so sad that she passed away the year before I was on Mary McPartland's Piano Jazz because she would have been thrilled to know that, you know, she kind of put me, she lined me up, you know, in in Mm -hmm. the right way, in this great way. And Mary McPartland was so funny. And we did this whole riff on rhyming. And she said, now, how do you rhyme Dubuque? (laughs) (laughs) And she came up with several rhymes. And I bet uh, you that did. That was a real honor. I bet you did rhyme with Dubuque, didn't you? Because you're a master rhymer. Indeed, you are. Yeah, I think, you know, of course it came past, you know, puke. But, um, <laughs> uh, but that was a real honor. And yeah, I just, I feel very lucky that I've gotten to, you know, play music in all kinds of different styles and um, just keep it interesting all these years. And uh, one way I try to keep it interesting for myself is to conquer different styles of music I haven't tried to to learn or play before. Um, hmm. And this Florida project is really, there's there's a whole genre of music called Gulf and Western, which hmm. I'd never even heard before I started working on this project. But I wound up down in Florida during the winter of the pandemic, the first winter. And um, Gulf and Western, I think most of your listeners would know it as like Jimmy Buffett. Oh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. Or Kenny Chesney. It's, it has like lap steel or dobro. It's country meat the Caribbean, right? There's like marimbas. Hmm. Um, and so that's what, you know, that, that was the style of music that I'm, I'm like, I think there's something here. So putting nylon string guitar together with those sounds and then writing songs within that, you know, th- that set of parameters. And that's how the birds of Florida came about. Well, my understanding was kind of a surprise. Weren't you going to Florida just to have fun and enjoy yourself? Well, my mother-in-law lives down there, right? So um, we wound up wintering down there uh, the winter of the pandemic and then last winter, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, Lincoln is cloudy, but not as not quite as cold as Chicago gets. Chicago, living in Chicago, we have, you know, um, how many reasons? Below zero reasons mm-hmm. <laughs> to get out of here in the winter. And uh, so I've been spending some time in Florida in the winter. Well, you're a great observer of things, and uh, I, I, I found the birds of Florida quite humorous. Uh, uh, raining iguanas. Did that really happen to you, by the way? Did a uh, iguana uh, fall on your head? Happen. No, it did not fall on my head, but it does happen about one out of every five winters. It gets cold enough along a stripe of um, Florida, right from like Miami, um, Miami West. Not too much further north than that, um, because it's a different iguana further north. Mm. But these iguanas around the area of Miami and into the Keys, um, iguanas are cold-blooded, of course. And when the temperature drops into the 40s, uh, they um, lose their ability to grip the tree branch. And Mm. they fall out and lay on the ground. And then they lay there for a while, and then they start coming back back to life. Uh, They don't die. They're just laying there waiting to warm up. (laughs) So when the sun comes out in the morning, then they wake up and start moving around. And there's a story of one guy who evidently picked up a whole bunch of them <laughs> because he was going to make tacos out of them. I'm oh not God. kidding, because that is a delicacy <laughs> in some countries. So he loads his car up with frozen, you know, cold stunned iguanas and starts driving. And after about 45 minutes, the iguanas start jumping around. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not small, are they? <laughs> No, uh-uh, they're bigger than a cat. They really are. Some of them are quite large, like a raccoon, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can you just imagine? Uh, hard to believe. Um, you know, when you when I listen to your songs, I believe everything that you say. There's something about 
how you present your music and and your musicality and and your lyrics that I mean I just I believe it and it just really strikes me to the core um and I also I really believe that story about the the panther did that really happen to you you know it's my mother-in-law's story she saw the panther uh and she said she said pardon me she said um I saw this panther and it was really close Hmm. and I just I didn't know what to do and she said I said hey Let's make a deal. I didn't see you. You didn't see me. Right? right? And I just loved this when she told me this story a couple of years ago. And I just, that was just so human to me. Like, mm-hmm. well, what do you do? Right? And so yeah. you can kind of talk in a calm tone and say, okay, <laughs> here we are. And I, I'd wanted to write a song about it for a while. And then when I wanted, then when this Florida project started to come together, I'm like, that's, that's it. It's time for that song. Oh, perfect time for that song. Yeah, it's a five-song uh, EP, uh, The Birds of Florida. You know, and it kind of reminded me of The Birds of Chicago. Now, did you do that on purpose because of that duo, Allison Russell and J.T. Nero? Um, it, they're great. I didn't do it on purpose. I did it actually because um, there's the, these guidebooks in almost every house in Florida to The Birds of Florida because there are so many birds um, mm. and so many bird watchers in Florida because, you know, it's a migratory stop Mm -hmm. and Florida has so many interesting, interesting birds. And I just saw this book in so many houses. I'm like, it's a field guide. So that's what this, that's what this EP is like a field guide to the birds of Florida being, you know, some of them human birds, right? Snowbirds. Well, and yeah, it's very witty how you put that together. And and actually, um, at first, before I listened to it, I said, oh, this is about birds. (laughs) But uh-huh. no, but no, it's it was much more deeper, deeper well than that. Uh, you were just really, uh, and, and the the, la- the title track certainly explains that uh, why people end up going to Florida and what that all means, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And you living in Chicago, the very windy city, and I'm I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, so I'm fairly mm-hmm. familiar what it's like in Chicago. Even though I think it's worse in Chicago, because you're on the lake. There. It, there, but there's more and more flights. I got to tell you, and you maybe have noticed this too. But there's more and more flights going from the Upper Midwest to Florida. There are more and more people, like almost like taking the bus now. Oh, really? In the winter, you know, like smaller airlines like Allegiant, uh, some of these um, low-cost airlines will fly into like Appleton. Really? And they'll do it twice. Yeah, they'll do it twice a week. They'll do an, um, a smaller market, and they'll do it just twice a week. But they're going into all of these towns, Peoria, um, that <laughs> wow. you would never think. And there's just, what did I see? Part of what um, factored into writing this record, too, was that I read somewhere that there's a thousand people a day moving to Florida. No. A thousand people a day. Wow. Um, that's 365,000 a year. That's how fast people are moving down there. And so there's more people with this reason to go down either to visit family or because they themselves are down there more. Um, I think it felt like, you know, more than just like my little idea of what to do about, you know, what to do with my time in Florida. But I felt like something, something's going on. And sure enough, something is going on that um, there's more and more uh, folks going to Florida, spending time in Florida and maybe moving to Florida. Fascinating phenomena. And Florida's, you know, certainly has its issues. No doubt about that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, all of that. Yeah, and all of that, and some more. But as you said in your song, well, there's something about uh, you know 
complaining about Florida, but yet when it snows and you're sitting by the pool and answering the phone, um, it's not so bad after all, is it? <laughs> I think that's it. I almost have what I'd call it, because my folks are still in my hometown of Manchester, Iowa, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Year-round, right? They don't, they don't, they, they don't leave. They, they stay, in, in, they stay in, uh, in Iowa for the winters. And I, felt this, I felt this past winter like I have survivor's guilt. You know, like, what am I doing down there? You know, sitting in the sun and living this life of leisure when other people are up north suffering. And then it's like, well, I mean, it's not exactly survivor's guilt. It's this feeling of being disloyal, you know? Disloyal. Oh, How dare you go down there and have a pleasant experience when other people are, you know, sitting in 10 below uh, January cold. Um, yeah, survivor's guilt is a, is, a, is a phrase that floated through my brain. It seems a bit dramatic. Yeah, yeah maybe a bit dramatic, but uh, it's great. Uh, and you have a great video for for the title track of that. Um, the yeah, birds of Florida, doing that. Really or no, fun. Florida, la la la. A great video. You're riding around in a golf cart. Well, it's actually one of these three wheeler go karts that you can get in Siesta Key. I was in Siesta Key, which is a, a little island off of Sarasota, right, which is mm-hmm. just south of Tampa. And you can rent these goofy little go karts. They're three wheelers, hmm. and people do this all winter. And they're these tiny little go karts, and they're huh. big fun. And so I rented one of those for the video and um, zooming around uh, Siesta Key, yeah. Yeah, that was super fun. And it so reminded me of the wonderful album, An American Havana, when you're riding around in that 1955 Chevy Bel Air. That's right. I do like, I do like motor vehicles. I don't know what that is about. <laughs> maybe because maybe when you grow up on a farm, like the day you get your driver's license is the day you become an adult. You know, that's <laughs> the day you have independence, freedom, agency right and uh-huh. uh, so I, I do like motor vehicles but there's something about if you're going to make a video it's fun to have some motion in it um and uh so that's part of why i had to get in a go-kart for this one too it's like okay let's just you know let's 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 put some wheels under this and uh, it's fun it's fun to watch well it is fun to watch and the music is fabulous i mean i i love the music in an american in havana i mean you have that cuban afro-american mm-hmm. influence you got great musicians on there you've got that wonderful woman conga player which oh man myra casales is yes. tremendous and yeah and it, it's fun to have um when doing like a project, the New Orleans project, um, I had uh, I brought in a, a guy who's in the Preservation Hall jazz band, um, a guy who lives in New Orleans. And then for the Havana project, I had uh, Myra Casales, who was born in mm. Havana, into a family of musicians who fled um, in um, when the uh, when the Castro regime came in, and um, it just helps to have somebody kind of over your shoulder saying, hey, 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 you know, mm. you're faking that. Don't fake that. <laughs> this actually goes this way. You've got the beat turned around here. Oh, wow. Um, because I'm a, you know, I'm a visitor to these worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think when you're a visitor to a musical style and it's not your own, um, I, I, the least you can do is, is have somebody kind of riding herd on your authenticity. Like, get it right. If you're <laughs> going to come, you know, if you're going to come to, if you're going to come to my town, then, you know, at least dress the part. Something like that. And, <laughs> But Florida, I didn't feel like that was so necessary because some, there's something about Florida that I feel like all Americans are entitled to claim as their very own and in, its, in all of its glory and weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty aptly put, I suspect. <laughs> glory and weirdness. Um, this yeah. album was produced by Eric Johnson, Ooh. which uh, he's a, he's a yeah, drummer. He's 
Oh my God, this guy is such a genius. So I knew him, uh, I used to live in Philadelphia, and I know him from this band called Hafamoose, which um, had a big deal on Interscope and had their moment in the late 90s. But he's a drummer and producer, and that is a really interesting combination because he not only played the drums on this, but he also played the bass, hmm. he played the piano, he played some guitar parts. Um, just astonishing amount of talent in one person and it just came out great instead of doing a usual project of like 11 songs yeah i talked and we're like let's just get five really right hmm. let's just make five tunes really in a really good recording and the recording just it's one of the best records i've ever made and he just outdid himself um it just sounds so fun especially that title track there's so much candy going on <laughs> There is. It's it's a wonderful EP. I'm talking to Susan Werner. Uh, brand new uh, EP came out in January. It's called The Birds of Florida. And uh, in the in when you're, I, I listened to it a bunch of times. You're talking about you moved there. Well, you didn't really move there, right? You're still going back to no. Chicago, right? No, I. But it's written for so many friends of mine from Chicago who have decided, oh, they're going to spend their six months down there now, and they're going to establish domicile. Oh, which I is see. a huge thing, right? It's, you have to go through a lot of paperwork uh, to establish residency in Florida. Uh, and states like Illinois don't really want you to leave. <laughs> they <laughs> like your money up here, right? Right. So friends of mine have moved down there and they did all the paperwork. And then, you know, part of the appeal of Florida for a lot of people is that there's no state tax. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So that's part of what drives the, you know, the retirees to move to Florida. It's one of the ultimate forms of bait. Right is oh you can you know there's no state tax uh, to dwindle your retirement savings. Hmm. Uh, so it's really the, that aspect of the song was inspired by really good friends of mine who moved to Florida, and I'm like, you guys, you did it, you horrible traitors. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go visit them. <laughs> yeah, and I go visit them. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Well, I tell you, Susan Werner, um, you grew up in a farm. West of Dubuque, Iowa, which is a beautiful city on the river, of course. Um, and um, you start playing guitar when you're like five years old. I mean, isn't that kind of young to be starting to play guitar? <laughs> I've said before that I owe my entire career to Pope John the Twenty Third because <laughs> it was Pope John the Twenty Third who said, right, that. Um, nuns can play, you know, nun, that the music can be in the vernacular. Hmm. That people didn't have to just sing in Latin anymore. And what that um, what that created was uh, an opening for all kinds of music to come in the church. But really, what it produced was what we know as the folk mass, right? Mm -hmm. um, a nun with a guitar around her neck. So Sister Marie Claire came to St. Mary's Elementary School in Manchester, Ooh. Iowa, and she taught guitar oh to a bunch of fifth graders. And my older brother took guitar from her, and there was a guitar in the house. And that came into the house, and I looked at that like, what is that? And I said to my brother, I said, can you teach me the, how, what you're doing? And so he taught me three chords you know, D, C, and G, and it changed my entire life. Oh, my. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever gotten over my romance with the guitar. In fact, I'm going to go to Chicago Music Exchange this afternoon and look for a new hollow-body jazz guitar. <laughs> because, you know, once you're 
you know, that once you're hooked, uh, you're, you're hooked for life. Yeah, we know about being hooked on these sorts of things, no doubt about it. Uh, not only are you an amazing guitarist, uh, incredible vocalist, which, by the way, you wanted to be an opera singer? I did. You know, I, I can still do it as a party trick, right? <laughs> you know, pull out an aria. Or I'll do the Carmen aria at the end of shows if oh I'm my particularly, gosh. particularly crazy mood. But, um yeah, that was the way to get a, you know, that was the way to get a scholarship to college, right? There was no, you know, singer-songwriter scholarship. Um, oh, yeah, I even though I was that. already writing songs in high school, but there was no, you know, that was not a route to an education. So it was pretty clear that if I could sing in German, French, Italian, you know, if I could do some of that, then I could get a scholarship to college, and that worked out. <laughs> and then I got a, and then I went to um, Temple University in Philadelphia for a master's degree for the same reason because it was a talent that was subsidized. Hmm. Um, and yeah. you know, I, I might have done things differently if if there had been another route, but I wasn't bad at it. You know, I, I just wasn't loud I'm sure, enough to I'm get sure the jobs. I'm sure you were really great at it, actually. And and the person who kind of steered you in another direction was Nancy Griffith. Yeah, I saw a Nancy Griffith show at the Chestnut Cabaret in Philadelphia in like 1989 or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, this, this, you know, she's just she's just a woman from the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. who's singing songs that like it's resonating with people. And around that time, I was taking auditions as a as a classical singer, and I, I wasn't loud enough to get hired for the opera gigs. I just hmm. didn't throw enough noise. You know, really? it's like having in baseball, it's like having a 75-mile-an-hour fastball, right? You're never oh. going to make it. <laughs> oh, okay. That that was the deal with the opera then. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't, loud, I wasn't loud enough. So um, other people were getting all the gigs, and I'm like, okay, well, I started writing songs and singing at coffee houses, and people are like, whoa. Where have you been? <laughs> and no one in the world of classical music ever said, where have you been? Right. <laughs> right. The, the barking up the wrong tree and not knowing there were other trees. Right. And, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Something like that. Well, so Nancy Griffith really a big hero of mine. I met her. I did a couple of shows with her. And that just meant a lot to me. I mean, she's just a terrific songwriter. Terrific songwriter. Yes. And it's unfortunate she passed away here uh, about a, a year ago. A great loss to the uh, folk community, no doubt about it. When I listen to your songwriting, I think of other great songwriters like uh, um, Gretchen Peters, uh, I think is an incredible songwriter. Um, Cheryl, um, Cheryl Wheeler, I mean, she also... Cheryl can, Wheeler is awesome. Awesome, awesome. Cheryl Wheeler is awesome and just underrated. I think just if people, if just people don't know of her. Once people know of her, they're like, oh, my God. I think she just is so busy being excellent that <laughs> she probably didn't spend a lot of time building a publicity machine. You know? One right. of those people, right? Right. She's just great. Yeah, she's great. And, of course, she wasn't a major label, and they tried to make her over, which uh, you were on a major label, too. You were on private music and... Um, yeah. yeah, BMG and all that. But, you know, the thing about Cheryl, like, she she got a deal with Rounder, and her cover art was her pointing arrows at her face, pointing out flaws. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? Then I, and that's her humor, exactly. And then she can write these incredibly intense songs, like um, if if I had my way, you know, there would be no guns. I mean, she's a lot like you. You you can just hilarious, and then you can write these incredible songs, like um, 
Yeah, I mean, some great stuff that you've written, um, like the one that I'm in lieu of flowers from Flyover Country, which is actually an album you just put out during the pandemic, too, also, didn't you? Yeah, we did that. We recorded it in Philly in June of the pandemic, and we were talking about whether we're going to do it remotely or not. And my producer, Mike Brenner, an amazing dobro and lap steel player, he just kills it on this record. Like, if you're a fan of that kind of guitar playing, oh, my God. Fly Over Hmm. Country just is a showcase for Brenner's lap steel and dobro playing. Um, But um, he said, I think we can do this. And so we went to a studio... On, on the on the south side of Philly, and uh, uh, we would go up with masks on, do do three takes, and I'd be in my own booth with the door shut, and hmm. then we would all go down on the street, hmm. open all the windows and doors, right, uh-huh. and then we'd go back up and do three takes in a row, and then all leave again. So we were managing, you know, we were trying to manage virus exposure in a time when there were no vaccines. And oh, well. we got through it, nobody got sick, and we got a record out of it. Yeah, you did. Um, Your little uh, yeah. homage to uh, Iowa, which, uh, speaking of homage to Iowa, you did a wonderful CD here in Nebraska called Hayseed, in collaboration with the Leeds Center for Forming Arts. Yeah. Can you just give me a little insight how that all came about? Yeah, so... Um, Ann Chang and Bill Steffen there at the Lead Center. We were we, we'd been talking um, for a while about maybe some kind of something, some kind of um, collaboration. They're just really creative. You know, Bill mm-hmm. Steffen is such a creative um, force there, and he brings different departments of the university together, right, with mm-hmm. the Lead Center. And that's the great thing about Lincoln is is it's a it's really a laboratory. Um, if you have innovative deans and um, and educators. There's this um, almost hybrid, or um, you can make you can bring about collaborations between unlikely parties, hmm. uh, and and produce unexpected results. And so Bill had this vision of talking with Ronnie Green, who at that point, who now is the chancellor, um, but um, he um, was the head of the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. And Bill had a chat with Ronnie and said hey, could we put this together somehow? Is there something, is there something we could do to um, bring music and agriculture together? And Ronnie said, well, what do you have in mind? And Bill said, well, we got this songwriter, Susan Werner, and she's from a farm in Iowa. And he's like, hell yes. <laughs> and it all went, I mean, green light. And huh. so I wrote a series of songs <laughs> all about agriculture. And they're not all, you know, they're not all these deeply felt ballads about the beauty of the land. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. there's, there's songs about murder and revenge. Oh, yeah. And yeah, farm people are as real as any other people. <laughs> and that project, I, mean, I was just up in Wisconsin over the weekend. I played Madison and Milwaukee. And those Hayseed songs, people just love them. Oh, yeah. Um, because I think they can see the characters in the language and, oh, and in yeah. the motivations. And yeah, it was, really, it was really one of the highlights of my whole career. And I'm really grateful to Bill and to Ronnie for that opportunity. I think it's a fabulous album, and I had a question um, about herbicides. Um, uh-huh. Did you have herbicides <laughs> on your farm in Iowa? Did, did, did they make you a musician? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a song called Herbicides Made Be Gay, right? Yeah, yeah. So the idea of the song, there was this, um, the real, the real um, impetus for the song came about, to speak frankly about it. So my father, right, farmer, uh, 
uh, dairy. We had dairy hogs, chicken, chickens. We had all that. But we also had uh, corn and beans. And um, uh, my dad developed non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2011. And we all kind of knew, right? And we were all talking to each other uh, in Delaware County. We're all talking, like, what is causing this? Hmm. Because there's a lot of this going on with farmers of a certain age. What is this? Mm -hmm. And no one, there was no link like there is now. I mean, you see the ads on TV for... If you've been exposed to glyphosate and you have had a diagnosis of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, you can bring a lawsuit, right? Mm -hmm. These ads are on television now. I mean, this is a well-established A to B causality. At the time, we kind of knew, but nobody could prove it. So I wanted to find a way to talk about chemicals in agriculture and the hazards of them, but I didn't want it to be some tragic thing. And I could not figure out quite how to do it. And so I, I read this study about um, frogs in northern Minnesota in the Boundary Waters because of agrochemicals becoming intersexed. Oh, oh. I thought, what, ah. what is this? And um, I talked to my brother, who's the chief toxicologist of the, of the state of Wisconsin. He's like, there's something going on. There's definitely something going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hmm, how do I talk about this but get people to actually hear it? And I thought, what would horrify um, conservative white farmers worse? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, sure enough, in my family, four of six of us are queer, right? No and, way. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're, you know, we're, we're gifted. But I, I was trying to figure out how to, how to address this. Um, this uh, reality, which was really, we just knew we just couldn't, you know, we just didn't have any confirmation from outside yet, but we all knew something was going on with um, glyphosate and non-Hodgkin's. And when I sat with my father and he's getting chemotherapy and I'm like, I, I, I got to talk about this somehow. And when this uh, Hayseed Commission came in, I'm like, this is how I'm going to do it. So I started the song as Monsanto made me gay. And a lawyer friend of mine said, you are going to live your entire life in court. Do not name Monsanto. Okay. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So then it was like her science. And then, you know, the song, as you know, if you listen to it, it's like, oh, my God, you're gay. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to watch Endless Hours of Glee, the television show. And you're going to sing along with Katie Lang. You know, you're right. the worst possible outcome. Yeah, I mean. So, oh, man. yeah, the song's been wildly successful in this way that I just didn't anticipate. Yeah, I, I thought that was extremely brave. Uh, great that you did that on the Hayseed Project here in very conservative Nebraska. So it's like... Well, that was the point, right? Yeah, that was, that was exactly the point. That was the point. That was the point. And some people, some of my gay friends are like, come on, why are you beating up on us? And I'm like, hey, 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 <laughs> remember what the aim is here, right? We're trying to reach people who would never be, you know, never listen to this other way. Yeah, right. Well, hey, we probably have to start, oh gosh, I hate winding this down because uh, I could just chat with you for quite a long time. Um, there's a couple other songs on, on uh, just Hayseed, the City Kids and the and the Snowmobiles. And, and one, I mean, they're both humorous. And City Kids, I bet that's pretty close to reality for you, isn't it? 100%. 100%. The City Kids, they had like you know, we we would go to school, right? The country kids and the city kids would have like these ski jackets. <laughs> they would just have skied in Colorado and they would have their lift tickets on the zippers. 
like trophies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we just got back from Breckenridge. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what's a Breckenridge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a class, like little class warfare in that song. It, 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 mm-hmm. It's fun, and the revenge at the end is fun. It is the revenge song when we get to organic farming. Absolutely great. And, of course, snowmobiles, you're dealing with climate change. I mean, you take these incredibly serious topics and you turn them around and you kick the beehive a little bit and you come up with these great songs. Well, thanks so much, Deb, for uh, giving my music some spins. And um, I really appreciate it. And um, uh I just wish you a beautiful day there in the happiest city in the United States. Well, before we go, um, let's find out how we can get a hold of Susan Warner out there in the world. You've got a website. You've got some platforms. Yep. SusanWerner.com, W-E-R-N-E-R. Just like the trucking, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which people are always like, oh, you must be loaded. You're from the trucking family. I'm like, no, no, no relation. No relation. I wish. Um, right. And uh, on uh, Facebook, Susan Wardo page um, and Twitter and all of that. But yeah, if you're on Facebook, you can find me pretty easily there. Okay. And you do a lot of live streaming. And are you going out and tour? Are you coming this way anytime soon? Uh, I know they're working on something. So, oh, it's, good. you know, it's inevitable. Poor Lincoln will have to, you know, endure yet another Susan Werner show. <laughs> and I want to get you down here on the women's show. Please, 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 please. Look forward to it. Thanks, Deb. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to go out with something. And I've got so many songs I like from uh, your brand new EP, uh, Birds of Florida. And I'm just not sure which one to pick, so I'm going to ask your advice. I want either Raising Iguana or Raining Iguanas or I Didn't See You. Which one should I go out I- with? I think the iguanas thing is just the track really came out great, and um, yeah, it's like uh, again Caribbean meets uh, Caribbean meets uh, country. Yep. Well, that's what we'll go out with. Raining iguanas. I've been talking to Susan Werner here on uh, Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond, and uh, Susan, it's been great talking to you. You are just amazing instrumentalist, songwriter, all around great person. And say hi to Trina Hamlin. I, we didn't mention her, but I think she's fabulous. By the way, she's fabulous. She plays the harmonica and drums at the same time. No oh, one she can does. do what she does. Nobody I can do it. what she does. I've seen her perform with you many a time, and I, I love when you guys play together. So, thanks so much for talking to me. We're going to go out with Raining Iguana, Susan. And you take care, and we're going to see you soon. Thanks, Deb. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye.